0: I'm Kimberly Crenshaw and this is Season 2 of Intersectionality Matters, the podcast that brings intersectionality to life by exploring the hidden dimensions of today's most pressing issues, from Say Her Name and Me Too to the war on civil rights and the global rise of fascism. This idea travelogue lifts up the work of leading activists, artists, and scholars, and helps listeners understand politics, the law, social movements, and even their own lives in deeper, more nuanced ways. Let me try to describe Gina best for those of you who haven't met her. She enters a room adorned in white. Her long hair is wrapped elegantly in a white head wrap. She's gracious. She's smiling. She's bringing spiritual energy in a small suitcase that brims with treasures. Crystals, candles, sage, and other good smelling things. And as she unpacks each item, she carefully places them around a small table, saving the center of what is now becoming a display for the most precious cargo in the suitcase. A stuffed toy, a well-worn media book, and a framed photo of her daughter handsomely photographed in her Navy uniform. It's only the sharp intake of her breath when she pulls her hands away from the photo that the excruciating pain that she carries is revealed. It's the sound of a broken heart that radiates underneath her regal demeanor. It's a posture that's at odds with the agonizing longing and the barely-containable rage that convulses just underneath Gina's surface. She is the mother of India Kager, a black woman killed on September 5th, 2015, by Virginia police. It's a story of police killing that is so savage, so senseless, so sudden, so unnecessary, and so unjustified, that it leaves terrified witnesses to the story, knowing that in this quasi-police state in which most black people live, anything can happen to any of us at any time. Gina's loss weighs heavy, and it's a burden that's not eased one bit by the obscurity that surrounds this horrific tragedy. It raises the question of whether her stolen life meant any more to a society that basically yawned than it meant to the officers who disregarded her very existence in their relentless pursuit of the man she was with. Gina lives with this awareness that the child she birthed was reduced to collateral damage in the eyes of the law, an excruciating recognition that her words convey with stunning clarity to anyone who has the opportunity to hear them. Last week, India would have turned 32. Like Brianna Taylor, who was nearly the same age as the 27-year-old India, her death would also be chalked up to collateral damage. Like Brianna's case, the cops responsible for taking India's life have not been fired, they've not been prosecuted. Unlike Brianna, India's story hasn't garnered much attention and it's a loss that compounds the loss of India's life. So we wanted to take some time to sit with Gina on the eve of India's birthday, both as a memorial to India And also as a moment to reground, say her name in the real stories of black women whose lost lives barely register. So here's a person who served her country, um, a mother, an artist, someone like that. One wouldn't expect to ever get a call to say that she'd been killed by the police. How did it happen?
1: On um, Labor Day weekend, a few days before, Angelo Perry had traveled here to Maryland to meet baby Roman. So
0: baby Roman was how old at this point?
1: He was four months old. And Angelo hadn't seen the baby, had not met the baby. India was living here. And actually, India did not know that he was married until after the baby was born. And his wife did not know about the baby. And they found out later. Again, he kept that from both. Mm -hmm. But he came to meet the baby and wanted to take beautiful Roman, they called him Jelani, um, to Virginia Beach to meet his family. And they went from house to house introducing baby Roman to Angelo's family. There are different locations there. But unbeknownst to Angelo and India, the Virginia Beach police were pinging his cell phone. They were pinging his phone and following that. And they tracked them. And why were they following him? Because they said that they got a tip from a confidential informant that he was on his way to commit a crime. So by this point, they had gotten... With a
0: four-month-old baby baby in in the the car. car?
1: Yes. Yes. That's the story, the narrative that the police put out. And therefore, they had assembled... This is Labor Day weekend. They assembled the entire Virginia Beach SWAT team, highly trained and surveilled and watched India as she went from house to house carrying baby Roman's car seat in and out of the house. So they
0: are aware that this idea that he's coming to commit a crime, they are aware that there's information to contradict that or at least minimize the intervention because they see India and they see Roman going from house to house with him. I I am no criminal lawyer, but it doesn't sound to me that a tip constitutes probable cause for them to initiate an arrest which seems to me the only justification for the intervention any justification is trying to effectuate an arrest but there's no probable cause no reason okay so so they're following india they follow them for what
1: three hours yes three hours and the question was brought up why didn't they if they wanted to arrest angelo perry just do a traffic stop goes back to your probable cause they had none so they followed India so she drove to a shell India gas India was t- driving India was driving her car, her car her 1990 whatever Cadillac we saw a video of India getting out of the car going into the shell gas station she stayed in there for almost five minutes they did not make an arrest at that time although they could have She was in the store and they were separated. They could have arrested him and do a takedown if they wanted to, they chose not to. They wait till India gets back in her car, drives to the 7-Eleven, and at that point, in an unmarked SUV, they launched the attack first. They wanted the element of surprise, which is why they ran into the back of her car with such force, that old Cadillac was lifted up. You could see that impact. Then they threw the flashbang grenades and then you'll see four SWAT officers in full gear, helmets, rifles with the flashlights on the end of it, the rifles. They jumped out of the back of the van and then they ran to the car and fired over 51 rifle rounds into India's car and Angelo Perry. And they later- one rounds. Yes, ma'am. And the Virginia Beach sheriff, chief, excuse me, Jim Severa said, that it was an accident, that they did not intend on killing India. But they certainly did intend on throwing flashbang grenades. And one thing is very clear, if she were white, it would not have played out that way. What do you think
0: would have happened? What do you think would happen? None of
1: that, they would have given her none of that. First of all, they wouldn't have called a SWAT team with a white woman in the car with her baby. You know the outroar that that would have caused? Look what happened with Justine, and they threw that officer in jail. Justine, Justine Diamond, Justine, Justine the one Diamond black,
0: just yep. to point out, is a white woman who was killed by a police officer in Minnesota. That police officer was a black police officer, yep. Somali. He's behind uh, bars descent. now. He's behind bars right now.
1: But you name all the black women, all of the ones, and is none of them-
0: any. Is there any police officer who's behind bars for killing a black woman?
1: No, there are none.
0: So talk to us a little bit about the communication that you've had and had with the police department. What did you hear? When did you hear it? And what has your relationship been with the police department that took her life since then?
1: All right. First of all, we were asking for the video. They wouldn't release it.
0: So you've still not seen the video?
1: Not the real authentic one, no. And I don't have India's belongings, her sketchbook, her phone.
0: All the things that she had with her.
1: Nothing. I don't have her purse. I have nothing.
0: And, and why is that? These are her personal effects. Why because, don't
1: you have them? Because the attorneys said that to give them to me now is a biohazard because of the blood. And these are my daughter's belongings. I want them. Even the car, all of that. And I had been up, let me just share that that night before, a mother's heart knows something's wrong when something's going on with her kids. I couldn't even sleep. So I knew something was off and I was up at like 1.33 in the morning, finally drifted off. It's like something doesn't feel right. It's just this strange vibe. I just felt something was wrong. Finally drifted off to sleep. It was after three, because I remember I was going to watch something on Netflix and, and then around seven something, India's face shows up on my phone. And I said, India. And it was Richard. And he says, Gina, India's not with us anymore he paused, and I don't remember how I got out of my bed, but I found myself at the top of the stairs. And I screamed and screamed and screamed, and my son and my youngest daughter came out, and I was just screaming India's name. Apparently, I ran out of the car. I grabbed my purse and the keys to my car barefoot, and I ran out and jumped in my car. And I just was trying to drive to get away from what I had just heard. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get away from that. Um, so that's how and since then there has been no acknowledgement by the police at all so at no, all
0: nobody no official ever contacted you no. ever expressed their regret for taking someone's life who was innocent
1: nothing no letter nothing the only thing that jim severa and colin stoley did when they put out that sixth grade level so-called report is mentioned that regrettably india Kager was killed in the operation regrettably still don't have india's belongings they don't want to give me the car because it's a biohazard that was india's car i want to see where, for is, my car? where is it they destroyed they sent me a bill from the city of virginia beach i'm saying Shut this- up.
0: are you kidding me
1: no ma'am i'm not they sent me a bill to pay for the removal. The
0: destruction of the car that they murdered your daughter in.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And I, I know people don't know this. No. They no. don't. Know it. They don't. What came out in trial was why did you all continue with this operation even when you recognized there was an innocent woman and an innocent baby? There was a baby in the car. That was asked. They and skirted the and dodged around that. That they they felt that the, what word did they use? Exigent circumstances, I'm trying to get it verbatim, warranted moving forward. Here's the problem with that. There was nothing exigent.
0: Only thing was exigent was they were getting hyped up and ready for their kill. And no innocent person's presence
1: was going to change that trajectory. And then the chief, when he made his news conference, had said that, the officers involved are going to need therapy because this has impacted them.
0: Oh my God. But
1: nothing mentioned of India's baby. Jim Severa mentioned that those police officers, he was concerned about the mental being of the police officers on the killing. Nothing about India. Nothing about the baby. Nothing about India's little sister. India's big brother. Me as India's mother. India's nothing about our family. After murdering India. They put out on the news that they, to make India seem like a horrible mother, Mm -hmm. that they had to send an officer to Walmart to buy the baby bottles and diapers. She breastfed. She didn't have bottles.
0: An innocent woman is trailed, surveilled, and killed by a SWAT unit.
1: An entire lynch mob. The story
0: is not how outrageous is this. That this black woman has been shot down in front of her child to boot. The story is we have to go to Walmart to get bottles. That's what people are upset about rather than the taking of
1: her life. Exactly. The baby for three days, they wouldn't even let me know where Roman was. My grandson, they did not answer the phone calls of where Roman was. He's in the hands of strangers. I was calling, even in my messed up state, trying to find out, where's my grandson? Where's my grandson? And even in that, they refused to give me any information about where my grandbaby was. Refused, did three you know days. Did know
0: if he was hospitalized? I didn't know if he
1: was hospitalized. Honestly, I didn't even know if he was alive. And the only way I found that out was when they had the press conference September 8th that the baby was placed in Child Protective Services. Now, mind you, Roman didn't even know how to drink from a bottle, Child Protective Services, and then in the hands of a foster parent. And the foster parent told me that when she got Roman, she had the hardest time. He couldn't even take sustenance from a bottle, the, the, the plastic, because he was a nurse. He was breastfed, India breastfed. Whenever I would babysit for her, it was only for a couple of hours because he would then need to be at the breast. But he had cuts on his little legs from the glass, the shatter of the glass. And he had, he had human tissue in his hair. Oh my god. That she had to remove blood on his clothes.
0: She lunged to protect him.
1: She turned,
0: yes. So we're in a moment now where the, 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 the political cry is, trust Black women. We hear that Black women are the most politically mobilized of any constituency. We hear about how Black women are holding up these movements. And then on this other hand, when it comes to India, when it comes to Karen, when it comes to Tanisha, you know, um, when, when it comes to those of us who have been killed by the police, all that trust black women stuff, well, I just wonder what happens to
1: it. Where does it go? Where do you think it goes? It completely vaporized because it was vapor to begin with. It is not something that is based on an actual, tangible trust. It is something that people should do, but never really have. And I can marry the two in the, the fact that the statements, you know, India got herself killed, Tanisha got herself killed. Karen got herself killed. So there is this, now this movement, the fable, trust black women, listen to black women. If that were the case, then why are we still rallying and crying to be heard and seen? Why is it that we still, even as mothers, we are still here fighting for our daughters, speaking, but we are exhausted. I'm no doubt Khalif Browder's mother died of a broken heart syndrome. We live with that. No doubt that Vicki McAdory died of broken heart syndrome. We live with that. And yet even the healthcare, we don't get the healthcare we need. They don't listen to us about our childbirth. They don't listen to us about our mental health needs. We can't even get the men in our so-called homes to listen to us and stop hitting us.
0: What about other black
1: women? Other black women were downright nasty to one another. We, tear one another down so that we get the life am i surprised yeah are you
0: surprised that there haven't been more black women um supporting uh and and saying the names of your daughters are you surprised that black women um that that it's a struggle to even get black women to say the names of your daughters
1: i will say this because I have to bring myself into the fold here. I have questioned how conscientious I would have been had this not happened to my daughter. Because I, without really casting a finger, pointing a finger, I've looked at me. What were my mores? What were my thought processes before?
0: So what would you have done when you you step back and look at Eugenia prior to the killing of your daughter? If you had heard this story from another mother, what do you think you would have thought?
1: Well, I really, now let me just say this. I'm gonna come from the perspective of also my spiritual beliefs at that time, yeah. where that you are supposed to be your sister's yeah. keeper, your brother's keeper. But I was faced with the hypocrisy that I really probably would not have been because I would not want the fear of losing my own life. And would I have thought that that sister brought it upon herself, Deep down inside, I believe that, yes, I would have had some of that because I wouldn't be with a criminal. I wouldn't be with someone like that. I wouldn't be, you know, we, we, we walk with that where we don't want to look at ourselves. We don't yeah. want to let it pierce and really ask, does it matter if I have a degree and my sister doesn't? Well, and it, and it, and it could be that we don't
0: want to think about our own vulnerability. That's exactly None of us want to think that. You know, We could be innocently going about our business of the day or sleeping in our beds at night and the police can take our lives from us and it not register anywhere. And that I think is one of the reasons perhaps that drives this effort to distance ourselves. We want to think that we could exercise judgment out of this risk you know mm. and the reality is that you know there's no exercising judgment that's going to get us out of this risk if police are able to kill people in their homes because of a botched raid or open fire on a car with a woman in it who they know is not suspected of anything if they're able to do that to them they could do it to any of us and that's a hard reality i think for many of us to confront. So we find some other way. You know, uh, one of our earlier episodes of Intersectionality Matters, I had a long conversation with Dorothy Roberts and we talked about how to breed us, there had to be some kind of exemption to the ideological way in which motherhood was framed as special. And so if motherhood is special, Mm-hmm. Then what accounts for the ability of this system to breed us and separate us from our children? So the ideology that we're not that connected to our children, that our family bonds are not that that strong, um, that our desire to parent, our desire to have this special relationship, eh, it's, not so, it's, it's not so great. So, yeah, we can kill mothers in front of their children just as quickly as we can take children away from their mothers. This is as present as the blood in the soil is.
1: Yes, it is.
0: So when you talk about India, you know, being killed in front of her child and Corinne in front of hers and and Tanisha in front of hers and Marion Carey in front of hers, it's hard not to see history sitting in that disregard.
1: Yes, yes. And it also, something else comes into thought, as you were speaking, when people say, well, I'm not racist because I have black family members. Or I'm not racist because I have black friends. Or, "I'm," you know, this family member of mine is black. Well, but they've distanced themselves from the reality is slave owners' family members were black, too.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now, you know, that's that's an inconvenient truth, that all of the folks who say... You know we're gonna fix this by creating interracial families they kind of missed that no wait this started with trying to fix a need for labor by creating interracial families you know that has never been a protection against racism it hasn't been a protection against cruelty Th- this is no fix to anything no it's not There are some people, uh, not everybody, but some people who are marching on behalf of Breonna Taylor. Long time coming, doesn't happen for many black women killed by the police. Was there a march? Were there vigils? Were there demonstrations, songs being sung, memorials being established for India? None. How does that make you feel?
1: again, I'm erased, she's erased, there's nothing. And even the thought of baby, the baby, who's now permanently disabled, nothing, there was none. So
0: do you think it would be different now that Brianna Taylor is on many people's lips? Do you think that, or do you find hope in this moment that the invisibility around the death of your daughter and, and so many of other, your sister's daughters, Um, will now be acknowledged and seen as important sites for our demands for justice to be made
1: whole. Let me say this. Bionna Taylor's birthday was Friday. India's birthday is tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow being?
1: Tomorrow being June 9th. She was born Mm -hmm. June 9th, 1988. Now people know Bionna Taylor's name, but even Bionna Taylor's murderers are still free. And even in the face of global scrutiny, they still haven't done right by Brianna Taylor. They still have not done right by just arresting them, convicting them. Right. So do I have hope? Well, no. do I want to have hope? Yes. I want to believe that people will start to say it could have been me, my baby, my daughter.
0: So is the case itself been decided?
1: The case was decided where there was one black man sitting on the jury and the rest were white.
0: And what was the verdict?
1: They allowed the officers to walk. Even in hearing and seeing the children, I'll never forget when the jury filed by, I was in the hallway and Roman and Evan were playing on the floor and the jury had to file past to the side where the police were to my left. The police were at the other end of the hall and they were smirking and talking about their vacation.
0: And so this, and this wasn't a criminal case. This was the civil case.
1: Civil case. They refused to file criminal charges. So no charges. one was
0: ever charged. Criminally,
1: criminally no one. And Not those one.
0: two officers who were found responsible for the wrongful death of India Kager, are they still serving on the Virginia Beach Police Department?
1: Yes, and one of them has been promoted. We found out that Angelo Perry, had served time in jail from the age of 21 until 34 and the original charge an assault on a virginia beach police officer so they, they wanted him, him dead him for that they wanted him dead this was this was retaliation they murdered angelo perry less than a year and a half of him being out of jail and at first i was angry even about angelo perry because it's like you know I was angry, but he still is the father of my grandson.
0: And he still served his time?
1: 13 years? Yes. And then murdered less than a year and a half of him being out of jail. They tried to say that he broke parole. Then the parole officer says, no, I was aware he's in Virginia Beach. He was going for a family reunion. You have to get the okay." And they murdered my daughter and vilified her. Well, so so,
0: talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you've seen that people say about your daughter with something typical.
1: Oh, certainly. Well, what was she doing with a man uh, wanted by police? What was she doing with a suspect? Birds of a feather stick together. Mm. Um, she must have known, and yet she chose to still associate with him. She must have known who he was, which again, they don't know that. India can't do what she felt in her heart to go in and introduce the baby, hopeful that there's going to be now a surrounding of this child with the blood relatives to Angelo Perry's family? So that this child Mm -hmm. is growing up in a proverbial village? So as a woman, stigma it touches every area of our lives. Because to reach out now, even in this state, and ask for help, everything is questioned. Well, why do you need help? Rather than saying, you know what, I see you. I hear this often, I can't even imagine. I'm like, you don't want to imagine. My daughter was murdered in front of her baby and the baby's screaming and crying, ripped away. And we are murdered every single day, even in the midst of fighting for our daughters, fighting for our loved ones. They still kill us, they still vilify us. They still paint the narrative that we deserved it, that India deserved it. Because she shouldn't have been where she was, wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. Where there's no right place for black women here in the United States? Where? What's the right place for black women?
0: You know, while you were talking about one of the reasons behind the, 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 the shame that families feel is the projection of responsibility onto the woman for being in a situation that got herself killed. I think that's exactly right. I don't think you would ever really say a man got himself killed. No, but you would say a woman got herself killed. And, and I was thinking, where does that come from? And I immediately thought, well, this must be an extension of or analog to rape culture. Because rape culture tells us that when women are sexually abused and even killed, um, rape culture will provide all of the ways to blame her for this happening to her.
1: And then it shifts off of the men, always. And
0: and so there's a way that we might be looking at it, an intersection between, you know, the anti-woman, the misogynist dimensions of rape culture and the anti-Black dimensions of police culture. And those two things come together. The same culture that blames women for being sexually abused also blames Black women for being killed. Yes. When they are basically treated like collateral damage.
1: They are treated like collateral damage because they're viewed as collateral damage.
0: Melissa Williams happened to be riding in the car with with someone who was leading the police on a high-speed chase. When the the chase stopped, the police jumped on the hood of the car and unloaded into her body, completely innocent, and she's taken, taken out. Brianna just happened to be in her own home. The police thought that someone was there who wasn't there. So the collateral damage is so much a part of Black women's history. And our failure to embrace it is so much of a part of our continuing you know, sort of presence at the periphery you know, of social justice demands.
1: And just listening to what you were saying, how they view us as collateral damage. Well, in the United States, because of the way the laws are written, we as mothers, unfortunately, are damaged collateral. That's yeah. how they s- damaged, broken. That's how we're viewed. We're seen. And as moms now fighting. I would say black
0: moms of black women. Black moms
1: of black women.
0: Because there is, there is a space for, for, for mothers, you know, in, in the movement. But by and large, it's, it's mothers of the men and the boys.
1: Absolutely. And I would say even with that, being in a room of mothers of the men and the boys, I still feel different why it feels almost as if their murders were more important because the emphasis is placed on them because their names are amplified their names are spoken you hear about them globally when you hear news they'll mention the ones that are easily remembered the only female up until, until uh, tatiana and even brianna was sandra bland so i feel once again in, invisible i have to be sensitive to the other mothers. Again, cognizant of how they feel, because that was their son. Yeah. But that was my daughter. And our daughter's names are not, they're not on the lips of people. They're not on the tongues of people. You know, th- just this past week, I did—I spoke for my daughter. And I asked the people in the audience to raise their hand. How many heard of India Kager? And This is where I live here in Columbia. It was Black Lives Matter here in Columbia, And where I, from my standpoint, maybe 15 went up. Out of so a group maybe, for how many? Oh gosh, it was thousands there. I want them to say her name too. Yes. I yes. want them to know what they did to India. I want them to know what happened to Miriam Carey and, and Shelly Fry and Tanisha Anderson. I want them to know these, but that's not what comes to mind. So you can understand how it feels out of mind, out of sight, forgotten.
0: I recall when uh, some of you went to the women's march there was some hope that when say her name came on that you would hear the names of your daughters as well
1: we did not they ignored our daughters and they pushed forward the names of the men and this is in the middle of a women's march you know, as you pointed out, Sandra,
0: Sandra Bland's name, I think, was mentioned, um, and Maya Hall's was mentioned, a friend of Maya's came. Uh, but from what I can recall, no no mother of a woman was like, your, the mothers of Say Her Name were not, you know, part of that. We didn't you even know, get
1: an invitation.
0: This is a moment where there is outrage there is a call for, you know, people to say her name, but it is almost routinely then broadened to say his name, say their name.
1: Yes. Um,
0: and support is being generated for say her name, but not necessarily support of Black women-led institutions and organizations
1: that exactly, are Exactly. Not, space. no, no. It's diverted and it is co-opted. I'm, I'm trying to find another word. It is diverted. It's like, say her name. is. Are you all doing this? Just to, is, is now, I'm trying to find, the moment where you're going to forget us again, you're forgetting us even in this moment.
0: So talk about the role of Say Her Name's Mother's Network.
1: The Mother's Movement gives us a place where we have no other place. This was carved out and designed to allow us where we get amongst one another and we could look at our sister, look at our fellow mother, our sister mom, And we see one another in a world that doesn't really want to see us and doesn't want to see our daughters, or else there would not be the need for us to then have to seek solace without the judgment, without the stigma, without the side eye look that somehow my daughter and all of us, our daughters, did this to themselves. They asked to be murdered, and they got what they deserve. We almost have to give ourselves permission to even allow ourselves to to have some enjoyment. And then to see what the Say Her Name organization has done in portraying what our daughters' lives would have been.
0: What was that like when you saw that? What was your experience You all like?
1: have put together a play where actors read about our daughters, fully immersed, and one of the actors who played, my, who played me wore a crystal of mine, and then to see that mother, and then to turn around and see the audience and how they were, transfixed i came back home to maryland feeling i'm trying to maybe validated is the only word but remembered that that yes we is to see our daughters played by actresses portrayed and then i took a moment and i had to allow myself and i just went into imaginary when i held the actress who played india i allowed myself for a split second to be embraced by india again mm-hmm. and that did such good for my heart i took that with me and i hold on to that so say her name in helping us have a space where we connect with other mothers and and loved ones where we can connect and sit and have a space where we're not forgotten we were remembered with purpose It's so many levels to that <laughs> and i'm so appreciative thank you
0: do you remember uh when you first came do you Does anything stand out that you recall being invited in, what you thought was going to be, what it turned out to be? Oh
1: gosh. I felt so good. I really did. I just felt like finally, and it was months after India was murdered, but finally appreciation is an understatement. I felt good when I really felt guilty about feeling good because Mm -hmm. all of the emotion that I really had at that time was always sadness and always the oppressive heaviness, the thick, choking grief. And just for a split moment, mm-hmm. just for a split moment, it's not that we forgot that our babies were murdered, but I felt like a woman. Mm-hmm. I felt relieved. And then, when, and, and even when to see India's name and all the other women and other mothers in a beautiful hotel, just the way that we were treated. I couldn't have made it through even this far without saying her name. There's no way. And even the shirt and then just saying, you know, Black women are killed by police too, which is what it says up here. Black women are killed by police too. There's an inclusion there that we weren't getting anywhere. There's an authenticity that is different with this organization. You feel the difference. Like our daughters are queens, as they are and they're treated with that royalty. And we are all together in that space of safety. I feel safe, I felt appreciated, I felt acknowledged. My baby was remembered. You know what, let me say this, we regain a piece of our hearts back, mm. that's what it is. We regain, every time we get together, we get a little bit of our heart back.
0: And I think a lot of people um, would probably be surprised, Again, like the play, we first see you all dancing. Yes. You're singing. Yes. Um, I mean, that's real. It's you, you
1: know, it's almost like a celebration, even though we know why we're there. Yeah. But it is a different type of celebration. We know that our daughters were killed, as they should mm-hmm. not, but they were. But when we are in that sister circle, it reverberates. And you can see the teasing and the joking and how Vicky would just keep us cracking up you, sure you know, oh my gosh. I, when we did the karaoke and we were all, uh, it was just such a relaxed, again, we don't get that. And, you know, you all saw another side of me that you hadn't seen. We're like,
0: <laughs> we, can, we can speak on it. it was, we we, we, we were like, in
1: California. We were in California. Oh, and I am say, we were in California. <laughs> we were in California. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, well, Rhonda had seen a glimpse of She had already seen that, okay. I, <laughs> but it really is like, okay, I can peel back these layers. Yes. Because I'm yes. amongst family. And again, it's family by choice. Intentional family by yes. design. Intentional that there is this very sacred belonging that we're all a part of this. We are really... And I remember when Vicky cussed me, I said, bitch, you, <laughs> and you know, because it was something, but then she was like, oh, 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 Gina, oh, don't work the hoodoo on me now. Don't work the hoodoo. And she started doing this. But it was something that she's in it. We had a ball. I mean, we were up, and uh, we were, it was so funny because Vicky would just, no holds barred, say whatever she's going to say. She and sure. we were talking about how, you know, well, some of the things we miss. And I was like, well, I forgot how to do that. Okay. Oh, and when she- <laughs> what <laughs> she say? <laughs> I can help you remember like, oh, yes. I no. feel like I was like oh but you know what it was just so much it, oh, I can help honey we can go buy you one if you need one I mean it was just the way that she just I miss yeah, her so much I do now, too. tell you that the irony I don't know what should we call it that she died on September 5th yeah the same day that day was rough it was Oh, yeah. And, and it's it's
0: the hidden costs, right? It's yeah. it's, uh, it's the collateral. It's the tertiary uh, damage. I, I, I completely concur with what you said earlier that I believe that Vicky died of a broken heart. He did. And I believe that many Black women do. I believe that if we actually ever were able to look at the consequences of police shootings in families, that we're going to see all kinds of dis-ease. I think we're going to see early death. I think we're going to see all of the pathologies associated with a racist society trying to live life. You know, there, there's this, this frame that we are weathered because of mm. the racism You know that we experience. Well, imagine when that racism comes to sit in the middle of your soul because the police mm-hmm. have snuffed out the life of your daughter.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. we
0: talk about weathering that that's like a tornado hitting, you know, oh. your
1: life. It really so, is.
0: Vicky is that person um, that brings that home for us. And, you know, I, I have started to include Vicky um, when we say her name. So it might, you know, be a, an appropriate way to end with us saying together. Yes. Vicky Vicki Vicky
1: McAdory. Sweetheart, yes. we love you. Vicki Bacadori, thank you. Thank you, Gina. Thank Kisses. you. Love you.
0: If you'd like to support the Say Her Name Network, go to aapf.org or look for the link in the episode notes. Join us this Wednesday, June 17th for the 11th installment of Under the Blacklight, featuring the mothers and sisters of Say Her Name. You can find more information and an RSVP link at our website AAPF.org. Intersectionality Matters is produced by Julia Sharp Levine. This episode was edited by Julia Sharp Levine and Rebecca Scheckman. Additional support was provided by Emmett O'Malley, Michael Kramer, Sharmina M. Nelson, Awoye Tempo, Gregory Bernstein, Alana Kane, and Vanita Singh. I'm your host, Kimberly Crenshaw, and this is Intersectionality Matters. Louis Scarcella was the greatest homicide detective of his generation.
1: I am the protector of these people. I am the guardian that they need.
0: Derek Hamilton was the best jailhouse lawyer of his.
1: And the lawyer was my girlfriend. It was all I had.
0: What happens when a group of convicted felons take on the cop who put them away?
1: We gotta attack Scarcella. Come and get
0: me. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.